Good morning, church. Um, last week, Tom had shared about hearing the voice of God. And uh, in his message towards the end of it, he, uh, he made a point about tuning in to God. And uh, he said, if you were expecting an important phone call about a potential you know, job or getting a job interview, that kind of a thing, and a phone call that was important, he said you wouldn't leave your cell phone home, you wouldn't go off somewhere and make yourself inaccessible. And so this morning, I want to kind of take off from that particular point, and I want to take it one step further. And uh, so supposing <clears throat> that... On the other end of that phone call, if you will, that God wanted to have a conversation with you. Do you think that would pique your interest just a little bit? And so in that analogy that, that he used there about the, uh, you know, the job interview situation uh, in some way, shape, or form, there is an expectation that was created because of the importance of that phone call. And so I want to, in that same vein, on the other end of that conversation, if you know that God wants to have a conversation with you, and given the fact of who it is that is wanting to have that conversation, that, that places great importance on that phone call and, and, and both of those things. The idea that I do not want to miss that phone call. I am tuning in. I am dialing in. Nothing is going to divert me from that phone call. And just like keeping that, that phone close by so that the moment it rings, I'm going to answer. So as I was preparing for this message, um, I'm on my way to work. And so on my way to work at uh, 5 in the morning, it's not that I'm bright-eyed and bushy-tailed <laughs> and say, here I am, send me. No, <laughs> that's just not reality at five in the morning. But I purposed to tune into God on the way to work, and so I started to pray in the Spirit. That's a great way to pray, by the way. If you don't know how to pray and you're half asleep, um, pray in the Spirit. So I did, <clears throat> and, and God brought this verse set of verses to me from the book of Isaiah, chapter 26, verses 3 and 4. And uh, I'll have you know that these are one of my favorite sets. I say one of them. I would like to make the argument for any one of us here that I don't think you can have just one particular favorite verse. It just does not work that way with the Word of God. If you can, that's great. But I suspect that more of us have more than one favorite verse. So in Isaiah 26, verses 3 through 4, we find these words. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. And... So, 
that set of verses comes to me, and I'm thinking, God, how do you do that? I'm just, I had this sense of awe and wonder, and that set of verses, I, I, I started, like I said, he just responded. I had those verses, and then I asked that question, and then all of a sudden, thought after thought after thought after thought started coming to me, and I thought, man, I'm going to have to pull over or something or say, God, help me to remember everything you're, you're doing because the thoughts were coming to me one right after the other, after the other, after the other. And I said, wow. <clears throat> and kind of one of the things that, that I sensed as, as God gave me that verse is that he longs, he was anxious, he was looking forward to having this conversation with me. And I think in the times that when we dial in with God, he is... He is more anxious, if I could say this. He is more anxious. He wants to have those conversations with us. He wants to sit down with us. He wants to have these kinds of things more than, more than we want. And I'm not saying that we don't want to, but I'm, I'm just saying it was, boy, oh boy, I'm glad you, you brought me in. You tuned me in. You dialed me in. And so, um, as I, so I asked that question. I said, God, how do you do that? So, I want to direct your thoughts back to this verse. And there were just some, a couple of things, first of all, that really stood out to me. And that was, first of all, you keep him in perfect peace. And that, that word keep means to guard. And I, I like that because it's a military word. You will find that same kind of word when Paul in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, where he says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything with prayer and supplication. Make your requests known to God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding, which surpasses, will keep, will guard your hearts and minds. It's a military term. It means he's setting a sentinel there to protect your heart and mind from enemy forces from penetrating. But the other thing is that it is there also to keep you from fleeing. How many of you know, I'll just take an example here. Remember this story of uh, the three men in the fiery furnace? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they said, you know, you, you bend the knee. You bend the knee. And if you don't bend the knee, this is what's going to happen. I said, okay, we're not going to bend the knee. We're standing. We're trusting. And so what happens? They, they turn up the heat on the furnace seven times hotter than it was before. And the people who stoked the furnace, they themselves end up perishing. So what does the enemy try to do? He tries to sucker us to say, if you don't do what I do, if you don't do what I'm telling you or dictate to you to do, you're going to suffer the consequences. And they said, no. The enemy tries to sucker us from what we have on that solid rock in Christ, the one who is our peace, the one who is faithful to keep us, the one who is able to keep us, and draw us away from that position of strength, from that position of power, from that position of security, and come out to where there's the churning, there's the fear, there's the angst, and there's the worry. And so, you will keep him in perfect 
peace. Whose mind is stayed on you. So stayed was the next phrase that kind of stood out. Oh, but let me say this before I get ahead of myself here. Perfect peace. In that verse there, you won't find the word perfect. What you will find there, perfect peace, you will find shalom, shalom. So it's superlative shalom. It's incomparable shalom. It's amazing shalom. So it's, it's there to make a point, but then say this is how it's defined. I was shocked to look in the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, and boy, somebody had a lot of time on their hands to come up with that book. <clears throat> but when you look at the, I, I looked up at that reference there, and it did not have a number behind it. I said, what? How can you do this to me? How can you not have a number back there that I could check and reference and look at? So I did a little more digging, and that's where, it, if you read the Hebrew, it, has, it says shalom with a, a, a line, and then shalom after it. Shalom, shalom. So that's pretty significant, I thought. That's some kind of peace. So, uh, okay, so then, whose mind is stayed on you. One of the words that you can use to translate that word is steadfast. Another way that, that you can define that word is that you can lay something, to lay something on an object that's going to hold it up, that's going, that's going to uphold it, that's going to sustain it. So when it says, whose mind is stayed on you, it's the idea then of that last word that I'm going to bring in, and that's the word trust. So it's the idea that you're able to lay this down here knowing that the thing that you're laying down upon there is going to be able to sustain, is going to be able to uphold. So this is talking about peace. This isn't something about all the circumstances being right. This is talking about in the midst of, because of the person of Christ, whose mind is stayed on thee, so, in asking that question, how do you do that? And this was the part that really amazed me, if you will. I mean, whenever God speaks, it's amazing. But he said, let me give you some keys here. And that's what I really want to share with you this morning, are these keys that he gave me. And so, this thing about the peace that we have, I'm not talking about living inside a bubble and we're just kind of oblivious to what's going on around us. We live in a world that is churning. You do not have to go very far. You can turn on the news if you go to work. The world is in turmoil. There is churning. There is angst. There is hatred. There is violence. And yet, we have, because of the Prince of Peace, the God of Peace, who dwells into us, to walk in the midst of these storms that are going on in these people's lives and bring them to and introduce them to and let them encounter the Prince of Peace. The God of Peace. Not a God of Peace. The God of Peace. And that peace, 
that peace is not something we could ever begin to try to come up with on our own way, shape, or form. It just doesn't happen. The moment you think you can, somebody will come along and, and burst your bubble. And we have an enemy. We have an enemy, and I'm not saying this to glorify, but we have an enemy who studies us. In Ephesians 6, it talks about schemes and wiles. Well, okay, so what is he doing? He's studying us to see how to, how to trip us up, to make us stumble, to bring us down. But the good news is he's a defeated foe. So we do not have to be intimidated by fear. We do not have to be intimidated by, by the adversary. So this morning, in, uh, I, this morning I want to share with you the, these keys to help us stay steadfast, our mind on him. And just let me throw out this, uh, this, um, this little thing here. In 2 Peter chapter 1, a very familiar chapter, uh, towards, uh, I say one about verse 8, where he says, and for this very reason, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance. You can translate that word steadfast. Oh, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control steadfastness. Many times we can, we, we can get ahead of steam up, if you will, going into a particular situation or a goal or something that we want to accomplish. And sometimes if we start with a head of steam, how, how are we doing about halfway through? How are we doing about two-thirds of the way through? Do we finish with the same, the same drive, the same steadfastness as when we started? And so, again, I just want to in- emphasize that the keys that I'm about to share here with you, whose mind has stayed on thee. The idea of being able to, to trust, to, to lay our all on him because he's the only one and is, and that can sustain and uphold us. So the first thing that he brought to my attention is that this is a promise. An exceeding great and precious promise. And I'm purposely choosing these words for the reason that when God uses the word great, it means there's no limit to it. It's it's huge. It's ginormous. When God God does something, it's it's awesome. It's it's big. So how do you you surpass great when you put exceeding great? What does that look like? I mean, it's like, okay, here's great. Now it's exceeding great. So that takes it to the next level. It's not just great. It's exceeding great. 
Why is that exceeding great? Because the God of peace himself is giving you this key, our key. This key. So what does a key do? A key unlocks. A key gives us access to. So, in, in the truth and the fact is that when Jesus came to earth to destroy the works of the enemy and took all of our sins and all of our sicknesses upon us and, and took the judgment and the wrath of God upon himself, he gave us, he made a way where there was no way. He gave us access, access to himself to live into this peace which surpasses all understanding not a little understanding, not some understanding, all understanding. That's, a, that's amazing peace. Not in the absence of conflict or turmoil, but in the midst of it. And I think as well for, you know, th- those three disciples, those three followers of God who said, even if he doesn't deliver us, we're not going to abandon him. And I think as much for their benefit as for us today, they were thrown in that furnace and who chose to reveal himself to them but God. Standing with them in the midst of that fire. And the king says, wait a minute, didn't I just throw one, two, three? I threw three people in there, right? How many are in there? Four. I love that. He's not a God who's afar off. Every day, wherever we go, he's with us. And so when he gives you that promise, and in, in specific, this promise, his, his not one word, it says in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 56, not one word of his promises fail. Not one word. I wish I could say that for some of the times when I thought, I'm gonna, I promise I'm going to do this. But he is. It says that all of his promises are yes and amen. Amen. In Christ. I just love that, that fact that he says, uh, we'll guard your hearts and minds through Christ. That word, in that word keep, I, I like that because as I was looking as a commentary, he talked about the mind being the battle zone. And I just thought that's, that's so, so true and so huge. So, the second key, if you will, that the Lord brought to me, spoke to me about, was feed, this is in Psalms 37, verse 3. In that verse there, in Psalm 37, 3, there's a phrase that says, feed on my faithfulness. See, I, 
I thought the day in the, is, is past now where I'm going to have sermons that are going to deal with food. <laughs> I, I wasn't looking for it. I can't get away from it. And right now, I just have to tell you that my, I'm still working through my, my food transformation, if you will. From where I had been in terms of the four food, group, you know, food groups, you know, soda, chocolate, ice cream. Um, but I'm in ice cream. Did I say ice cream? Okay. Okay, there you go. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Okay, I'm sorry. But <clears throat> what I have learned and what I'm, is this, as I read this phrase here, feed on my faithfulness, the word feed leapt off it was highlighted in my thinking. And so it's not just a snack when you want. It's not just there as an option. It's a command, feed on my faithfulness. This is supposed to be a part of our daily intake. Not just when we go through a hard situation or when, the, or when we feel like it. No, this is to be a part of our daily food sustenance is to feed on the faithfulness of God. It's true. You know what happens as well as I do if you don't eat. So this is a good thing to eat. You're talking to a guy now who has super beats in the morning on the way to work. Or uh, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm telling you, you ask my wife what I'm doing now, what I'm drinking tart cherry juice or cherry juice. Okay, but I'm just telling you that when that feed on the faithfulness of God is, is a big thing. It's an important thing. It's, a, it, it's to be a part of our daily spiritual food intake. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. I've had this chapter in my mind for some time, keeping it in the back of my mind, pondering it. And Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, it says, this is God telling the children of Israel when they're going through the wilderness, going towards the promised land, you shall remember the whole journey. Not just one time or another time, the whole journey. What is he wanting them to do? He tells them, he kind of helps them out. He said, your feet did not swell. Your, your clothes did not wear out. We're not talking for about like six months or a year. We're talking... 40 years. So what is God telling them? Consider, look at my faithfulness here. And those are just two instances. There's more. But those are just two that he highlights. Remember the whole journey that your God has led you. Psalm 37, 25. This is another one of my favorite verses, but it kind of speaks to me about where I'm at. This is David writing this psalm, and here's what he says. I was young, and now I'm old. I, that's where I am. This is new ground for me. My get up and go is, well, not quite got up and went, but it's kind of getting there. <clears throat> I'm entering a new season of being a grandpa. And that takes some getting used to, but I'm getting there. But it's the idea that, that David here is saying, I was young and now I'm old. 
but I have never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. What is he doing? He's testifying to himself and to future people who are going to read this that God has never forsaken the righteous or or saw his seed begging for bread. Psalm 37, verse 25. I was young and now I'm old, but I've never seen, never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. There's a song that's currently playing on the radio by Josh Baldwin. I don't know if you've had opportunity to hear it or not, but it's called uh, Evidence. Well, I, I, you know, there are just some songs when you hear them, they just kind of like uh, bring you to your knees and want to throw your arms up and worship. Well, that is one of them. And, and in that song, um, see if I got it here. Well, I thought I had it. But it, here's, I've, I found it. Thank you. All throughout my history, this is how it starts, your faithfulness has walked beside me. The winter storms made way for spring, and every season from where I'm standing, I see the evidence of your goodness. Just think about evidence for a minute and what that means about Proof, substantial, undeniable proof about the truth. I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life. All over my life. I see your promises in fulfillment. So let me just say that and... and when we declare the faithfulness of God in our life, we are also acknowledging our dependence upon Him. We are placing ourselves in that position where we are not saying, God, I'm independent, I don't need you. We are deliberately saying, God, we are dependent upon you. And God is pleased with that. Just ask Solomon when you see him in heaven. He prayed, God, you put me in this place to lead these people and I'm but a child. I can't do this on my own. And it says that God was pleased with his request. So, the second key, feed on the faithfulness of God. Key number three, his presence with us. How many times have we heard here on Sunday morning, I will never leave you or forsake you. You know, if, if we had a nickel for every time we've heard that from God, we'd all be millionaires, I think. But he, he does not tire to say that. That's his heart. That's his love. And so, his presence. 
One of the names that he calls himself by is Emmanuel, God with us. And I just want to reference something here in that back in the book of Joshua, in Joshua chapter 3, this is the story where Israel is going to cross the Jordan River. Now, at this particular time when they're going to cross the Jordan River, they're, they're, uh, they're commanded to go from where they are to the other side. And uh, at this particular time, it's, it's not just like a little stream or kind of a crossing. The, the Jordan River at this time is flooded out of its banks and it's over a mile wide. And they're commanded to go from where they are to the other side. And one of the things that I found interesting in this whole thing is that when God uses... Um, To go from one point to the other, he's not talking about just going to a particular place. But when God talks about going from one place to another, he's talking about going from something that's known and to something that's unknown. And I thought, that's interesting. That's true. They've never been on the other side before. And as a matter of fact, when they, when they cross, they're given specific directions about how far they're supposed to stay back behind the ark so that they can see where to go because God tells them, you've never been this place before. You've never been this way before. So how many, how many of you have ever been intimidated by the fact that uh, doing something you've never done before? Has anybody ever been intimidated by that or felt like, wow, I'm doing something I've never done before. How is this going to turn out? But God gives them specific direction to stay a half mile back behind the Ark of the Covenant so you can see where I'm going. I thought, how ingenious is that? And so the ark representing God's presence goes in, and the Levites carrying the ark dip their feet into the water and the river stops. So, okay, so the first point, the presence of God is going before them. Okay? When it gets to the middle of the river, the ark and the Levites that are holding it, they stop. In the middle of the river, they stop. And what do the people of Israel do? They pass around it. So not only do you have the ark going before them, now it stops in the middle of the river and, it, and it, it, they're instructed. You see in the scripture, they go on to the other side. Then when they're all on the other side, then who comes up behind them? The Ark of the Covenant. Oh, that's pretty awesome. I thought that's a, a great picture of the presence of God going with us. Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 5. A familiar set of passages there. 
But this is what it says there. But now thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob? He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they, I like this, they shall not overwhelm you. Do you see what that's saying? You're not going to be wiped out by the river. That word, overwhelm. What a promise. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And not only is it God with us, it's God in us. Revealed in us. We are united with him. We have that prince of peace who desires to make his abode inside of us. And if he is the prince of peace and he is desiring and choosing to want to take up residence inside of us, do you think we're going to Get a manifestation of that peace? I think so. And one of the ways that he does that is his presence and his promises. And he is the fulfillment of those promises. So, the next key, worship. So in Psalm... 89, there's a set of verses there, verses 15 and 16, where it says, blessed are the people who know the festal sound, who walk, O Lord, in the light of your face, who exalt in your name all the day and in your righteousness are exalted. Now, I want to read this to you with what the Hebrew is conveying here. Blessed are the people that know the joyful sound. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That word, it says festal here. Some translations say joyful but it means a warlike cry. It doesn't mean just, yay. No, it means a shout. It means, it means to be passionate about, to, to yell that battle cry. And, and for us, you know, I think so many times the church is following the lead of the world and the things they do. I'm sick of that. I, I believe it's time for the church to take the lead and be an example and to be, to be the example of what the God of the universe has ordained. And so this is one of the expressions of worship is to shout a warlike cry. Someplace in the scripture it says, shout unto God in the Psalms. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. In 2 Corinthians chapter 
Two, it says God leads us in triumphant procession. I think those are things worth shouting about, getting excited about. I'm not talking about emotion. I'm talking about purposely making a shout, a truth, a, a, a declaration, if you will, about the truths that they read. And it's, I think it's okay to get excited about it because if we can't get excited about God, then there is really something wrong with us as a church. And I'm not saying just saying it or get emotional. I'm saying no, to be intentional. And then the other word there where it says, in your name they rejoice all the day, it means to run in a circle, to pirouette, to dance. So this is not just, let's do the golfer's clap. No, this is talking about let it out there and let them know what you really think. Remember that couple weeks ago when I got up here and I just danced and I danced and I did this and that? I, would, I stepped out of my comfort zone because of the one who's worthy to pour it all out to him. There's a phrase, excuse me, there's a quote that Eugene Peterson made that I really, really like. Worship is the strategy. I like that word strategy. Again, to me, that's a warlike term. Worship is the strategy by which we interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves and attend to the presence of God. To me, that's a quotable quote. The strategy, I love that. We were created for his good pleasure. We were created to worship him. And whatever, however that manifests itself, do it with all your heart. Okay, worship is the strategy by which we interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves and attend to the presence of God. You're welcome. You know, David, in Psalm 16, he said, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. And so that means us making a deliberate choice because there's a lot of things that would try to get our attention and say, hey, set me before you. Remember me? Set me before you. Remember that doctor's visit? Set me before you. Remember the kids fussing? Set that before you. There's things, if we let them, they will try to set themselves before us. But they don't have that promise like this verse here in Psalm 16 says. I have set the Lord always before me. David is being intentional here again. He is being purposeful. And you see, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. 
So there's another arrow that you can put in your quiver in terms of staying your mind on the God who is able to keep you, that he's given you. And in, and in that verse there, it's because of his righteousness that we have every reason, because of him giving us, making a way for us, that we have access to be united with him, to be able to, to worship him, to be able to attend unto his presence and to get our eyes off ourselves. And you know as well as I do, when you worship, there is something that transpires between him and you where these things part and go off and they do not have their power anymore to hold you. One other thing in that verse um, uh, in Psalms 89 where he, uh, they walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. That's what it says. In the light of your face. So what is he saying there? He can't keep his eyes off of you. His face is upon you. One of the things that that face represents, you remember that blessing? Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. That's talking about his favor. It's, it's talking about him looking at you. Considering you. Loving you. You know, if God's eye is upon you, I mean, just think about that for a minute. That's quite a statement. It's not like, it's not like that at all. Proverbs, there's a scripture where it talks about you being the apple of his eye. It's not an endurance thing. I like that song Dan sang earlier. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. There's a lot of intentionality there, but there's also declaration and purpose there. So, the last key, the final key that I just want to leave you with here is in Psalm 119, verses 165. And that is this. Great peace have they who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. What a tremendous statement. So when So 
So when we look at that great peace, that word great again means abounding, abounding in, abundant. And that love, is, it means there to desire, to breathe after. Great peace have they who love your law. And what better way to express that love, to demonstrate that love, than to treasure it up in your heart and then to live into it, to walk it out. That's putting our heart where our mouth is. That's putting it all in there and saying, God, I love you. And it says, because I'm doing this, this is the blessing, the reward they have. Great peace have they who love your law. Psalm 119, verse 97, it says, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Great peace have they who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. So this week, I would just encourage you to take these keys and apply them. Try them out. Tune in. And see what the God of your salvation will do. Because I promise you, there are opportunities out there in this world of chaos, churning, hatred and violence that we have opportunity to live into and, and bring them into. If, if I guess what, I'm, what I want to say and what I'm trying to say is that if we can't demonstrate that change to the world, if we can't walk in that, how are we going to convince them? We are a city on a hill. We are a candle. So, just in closing, I just want to share with you a quick testimony. A while back, I shared with you a person about a person at work. And um, I shared with you the conversation that I had. You know, I don't want to stand before God and say, why didn't you say something to this person? Do you remember that? And then the person's response was, I don't want to stand before God and not have that conversation either. So, as I continued to uh, have an ongoing conversation with him, this last week, he had two people that he, this person had two people in his life that he was close to, they passed away. And I told him, I shared with him, I said, you know what, this wasn't by accident. Our, Our conversation that we're currently having This was not a coincidence. Because you know that there are certain things in our life that they stop us in our tracks to cause us to give pause and to really want to think about life as we know it. 
And so I am currently sowing seed. And he's listening. And I believe that there was going to come a day when he's going to come into the kingdom. And uh, he, he personally shared with me that when he, he goes to funerals, he has a hard time with funerals. And I can understand that. So, I've shared with you these keys, and now I, we're going to pray, and I'm going to ask God that as we go through this week to bring these things to our remembrance, and let's implement these keys. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are the one who guards our heart. You're the one who keeps our heart. You're the one who gives us peace. Thank you for these keys. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to worship you. Thank you for your word. And Father, I pray that as we go into this week, go before us, stand beside us, and and bring up and watch our backs as we walk into this world. Let us take your peace, your shalom, every place in which we step to your glory for the advancement of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.